Hey guys, welcome to Biblical Worldview. My name is Pastor Brian Bratcher, and joining us here today is producer Will Horton. Hello, Will. Um, Wanted to start the the show off today, this our third episode, um, with the why behind the show. So again, the title of the show is Biblical Worldview, and this is a long-form conversation podcast examining current events and the world through the lens of the Bible. Uh, The reason for the show is that a recent poll conducted by the Christian Post concluded that only 1% of American adults hold a biblical worldview. And only 6% of Christians have a biblical worldview. Um, Of note also is that less than 60%, the approximate number 57% of pastors hold to a biblical worldview. And so you might be asking at this point, what is a worldview? Well, a worldview is the framework from which we view reality and make sense of life in the world. It is any ideology, a philosophy, a theology, a movement, or a religion that provides an overarching approach to understanding God, the world, and man's relation to God and the world. What is a biblical worldview? A biblical worldview is based on the infallible word of God of God. And when you believe the Bible is entirely true, then you allow it to be the foundation of everything that you say and you do. So our third point, how does a biblical worldview get diluted? Well, here's the big problem. Non-biblical worldview ideas don't just sit in a book somewhere waiting for people to examine them. They bombard us constantly from television, film, music, newspapers, magazines, books, and academia. And because we live in a selfish, fallen world, these ideas seductively appeal to the desires of our flesh. And we often end up incorporating them into our personal worldview. Sadly, many, if not most of us, do this without even knowing it. Fourth point, why does a biblical worldview matter? Well, if we don't really believe the truth of God and this is very important, and live it, then our witness will be confusing and misleading. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Most of us go through life not recognizing that our personal worldviews have been deeply affected by the world. Through the media and other influences, the secularized American view of history, law, politics, science, God and man affects our thinking more than we realize. We then are taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. That's from Colossians 2, 8. I'm going to say that again. We then are taken, and this is quoted from the Word of God, Colossians 2, 8. We're taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. However, by diligently learning, applying, and trusting God's truths in every area of our lives, whether it's watching a movie, communicating with our spouses, raising our children, or working at the office, we can begin to develop a deep, comprehensive faith that will stand against the tactics of the devil. Fifth point. 
the Bible says that in the last days leading up to the return of Jesus, everything will be characterized by deception and great delusion. See Matthew 24. The deception will be so deep and comprehensive that even the very elect among believers will be deceived if it were possible. Those who have read the Bible and adopt its framing will not fall for the secular narrative and deluded view of the world. And that, although lengthy, is a very uh, detailed why on why we are bringing you this podcast and the information that will be contained therein. Um, the world is indeed under a type of mass psychosis um, and a, a kind of delusion that is affected again um, most of the world. Um, and it is my belief, and I intend to uh, to support that belief with um, well with a lot of information that the reason our world is suffering under this mass psychosis or great delusion is because we have fallen victim to a secular, that being a man-made worldview, rather than adhering to the worldview uh, that our Creator, our God, has given us through the Word of God, that being the Bible. So, some things that um, that were contained in that description that I think are of great importance and worth bringing up again is that only 1% of American adults hold to a biblical worldview. And um, that, man, that's pretty astounding. Um, somewhere um, around 350 million Americans and only 1% of those believe um, the Word of God and allow it to form the way that they view the world and the way they respond um, to the world. Um, Six percent of Christians have a biblical worldview. That means if, if you walk into a church building and there are 100 Christian adults, that means six of those actually believe um, in the Bible um, in its totality. 6%. <clears throat> so that's 6 out of every 100 adults. And then again, um, I'm a pastor, and so to me this is uh, particularly alarming. 57% of pastors um, believe in the whole Word of God. <clears throat> that's really something. Will, do you think that's something? Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about those statistics, like, uh, I mean, thinking about just, I mean, you, you see, you go to church every Sunday, you see all these people, and you're like, these people have it together, but then, like, you look at the statistics, and it's like, they they barely even believe what they're, what they're coming here to, you know, what they're coming here for. <laughs> right. And, and... I think that uh, that is that indeed leaves a lot of people feeling confused, and and that was, you know, in that fourth point <clears throat> that we made, why does a biblical worldview even matter? Uh, and it's because if we don't really believe the truth of God and live it, then our witness will be confusing and misleading. 
And I think that's what you were saying just now, that, you know, we come into a place and we think these people really, really have it together. And that's the kind of the image that so many people uh, within our uh, modern church culture, uh, that's what they put forward, this image of having everything together and everything figured out. Um, I, I've always called it, and I think you've heard me refer to this, uh, wearing the mask, right? Does that make sense when I say that, wearing the mask? I decided years ago that mask was too heavy and was, was if anything, was was slowing me on any progress that I would make. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, all, all of these things to me are 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 just absolutely astounding. Um, that that you could be a pastor and not believe the word of God. I I think that's something that that many people you know. If not most people, they would never even consider, right? I don't think that anybody really th- like considers that coming into a church. Like you just assume the pastor believes the Bible, right? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I firmly believe most people who are going into church, they they're like, oh yeah, you know, he's the pastor of a church. He 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 must believe what he's teaching in its entirety. Yeah, but then it's like. I don't know. I I guess I, you know, I I grew up in church, um, not just like the the typical. I grew up in church, like oh yeah, I showed up for church every Sunday. But I mean, like I really, I really grew up uh, like serving in different areas and stuff like that. So like I have a I got to see a little bit deeper into. Uh, like the structure of, of how churches work and you know get to know pastors a little bit more and stuff like that and luckily I was, I grew up in a church that was uh, it was very grounded in the Bible and they actually believed what they taught but like after moving to this area and meeting a bunch of different pastors and like the more I got to know them I was like you could you could start to tell you're like you know, I'm, I'm not gonna name any name or point. You know, name any names, point any fingers. But it's like there's some more than others that are like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that you're necessarily uh, following exactly what you're teaching on out of the pulpit on Sundays. Well, and that's why, <clears throat> again, you know, it it gets confusing because you've got one Christian that says one thing, you've got another Christian that says another, and then people are left wondering who it is that's right. You know, and <clears throat> it's a polarizing issue, even within the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue of the issue of life. Um, you know, when does life begin? Does it start at, at conception? You know, um, do you call this a baby? Do you call it a fetus? You know, is it, can you be a Christian and be pro pro choice? Are those two things compatible with you know one with the other? You know, and and you'll have uh, you have one pastor uh, that might say, you know, I, I've heard pastors say that, that, that God is pro-choice, right? Of course, I, I believe in the, in the Word of God that says God knew us before we were in our mother's womb. The Word of God says that He was actually present with us in the womb, that He knitted us together, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And so that is a great example to me of what happens when one doesn't hold to a biblical worldview? If you have a biblical worldview, then you understand that that 
that God um, is uh, is certainly um, pro life, right? Uh, that that seems like something that goes without even saying. Yet you will have pastors that uh, who assert something completely different. How can that be? And again, this leaves people feeling confused. And the answer to that question simply is that one pastor has a biblical worldview and the other does not. Um, and again, the statistics tell us the, the truth of that, that approximately 43% of pastors, uh, a little less than half, um, they do not believe the Bible. They're preaching um their preaching then is not informed by the Word of God. Uh, their preaching must be informed by um, their own thoughts, feelings, emotions, opinions. And sadly, um, these pastors um, that do not have a biblical worldview, they have a secular worldview, and that, that has been informed by the media. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're getting their theology from... Uh, well, <clears throat> who knows where they're getting their theology Costco. from? Yeah, the view, the view. It's, uh, yeah, it's the it's the view theology um, rather than the worldview of the Bible. Um, so, and, and that was that was one of the points too. You know, how does a biblical worldview get diluted? Um, and and that's the question. Like, how did how you know how did Christians get to that place where um, either they have <clears throat> no biblical worldview, or they've got some biblical worldview, but it's been it's been diluted, watered down, and um, you know the reality is that these non-biblical worldviews, these ideas, um, you know, they're not just sitting sitting somewhere in a bookstore waiting for people to come along and and discover them. Um, they're everywhere, um, all day, every single day. It's on. It's television. It's it's the film, films that we watch. It's music that we listen to. It's on every single radio station. It's it's the talking heads. It's newspapers. It's magazines. It's it's um, it's books, um, and it's and it's academia. You know, we 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 live in a culture where, as Christians, <clears throat> the it's you know it is. Um, it's common. We we raise our children. Um, we maybe we take them to church on on Sundays, uh, which is getting you know less and less uh, common. You know, fewer and fewer people um, attend um, church services. Uh, and get that travel ball in. Yeah, yeah, a lot to do, lot to do. But um, I don't know. You know, you take your kids to church and. Um, you do your best to raise them in the ways of the Lord. Um, a lot of people, I, I don't think that you know that they're really very intentional about that. Um, and then they graduate high school, and we send them off to a four-year university um, where the the staff uh, hates Christianity, hates Jesus, um, hates everything about um, about the way that that we've uh, you know raised families. Um, and then we expect our children who have they themselves received a very diluted faith um, so they've got no strong foundation we send them off to a university and then we're shocked when they come back and they no longer believe um, that God sent a savior into the world to give his life was buried, resurrected and now sits at the right hand of God those are just fantasies 
to um, to our children after they come back from a four year university. Um, not always, but but very very often. And I am sure I'm not the only one who had um, m- multiple experiences while um, while I was um, enrolled in college, where I was. Um, where someone attempted to make me feel silly for for my um, tightly held Christian convictions and beliefs, um, and again, sadly, we often do this. We we don't we don't know it. People do it unknowingly. They're just not conscious of what's going on at all. And again, that's that's the reason for for this this podcast for this show. Um, I do not want you to waste your your time. Um, I understand that your time is valuable. I understand that um, that there are only so many hours in the day, and I want uh, the time that you spend here with 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 me with us to be of value. In other words, I want you to come away with information that's going to leave you uh, better informed. That is going to uh, hopefully draw you into God's Word. That you might examine it yourself. That you can make better sense of the events that are transpiring around you. Um, we want to challenge your. We want to challenge your thinking. Um, we want to. Um, we we hope that that your thinking will will be um, sharper because of this this podcast. Um, we want you to understand that a biblical worldview really, really does matter um, in the days that we live in. Um, and uh, just a couple more things that I want to go over here uh, before we move on to the content for um, for today's episode. Um, that scripture from Colossians, that's chapter 2, verse 8. And just like everything, the Word of God, um, it, it always calls the situation before we ever encounter it. Um, and the Word of God says that when we fall away from a biblical worldview, that we are taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Um, these things depend on human tradition and the basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. And I guess um, the challenge, the question for all of us today coming out of this episode is, um, are you living on the principles of this world or are you living solely on the principles of Christ? Um, according according um, strictly to the statistics that we've read at the top of the show, uh, the vast majority of Christians, if, if, if they are honest with themselves, uh, that vast majority being 94% um, would have to answer and say that their worldviews are informed on not only Christ, but on, um, at best, a mixture of Christ and the principles of this world. Um, but perhaps um, their worldview is largely, if not uh, mostly, informed by the secular worldview. And finally, emphasizing that fifth and final point, uh, that the Bible clearly tells us, um, leading up to the return of Jesus, that everything will be characterized by deception. And so let's just take a look at that, um, and then we'll go ahead and get into today's uh, subject matter. Looking at Matthew chapter 24, Jesus had just come down off of the Mount of Olives preaching um, the most uh, important message that the world would ever hear. 
uh, most impactful sermon that has ever been ever been delivered to mankind, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And when Jesus comes comes down after delivering that sermon, um, his disciples, that being the ones that uh, were closest to him, they approach Jesus and they ask him, um, "What will it be like?" Just before, just before you return. This is what it says. Uh, again, Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 3. Now, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. The Christ being Messiah, the anointed one, um, the one that's awaited. Um, many will come, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear during this time of wars and rumors of wars, see that you are not troubled or alarmed. These things must come to pass. But know this, that the end is not yet, for nation then will rise up against nation, kingdom will rise against kingdom, there will then be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation, they will kill you, you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake, and then many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Lawlessness will abound in the land. The love of many will then grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. This is the gospel of the kingdom. And it will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Amen. So Jesus starting off there in that uh, in that passage, answering them with with a warning at the very top of that. He says, "Take heed, be very careful, uh, be aware. Don't let anyone deceive you." And certainly, uh, deception is is all around us. Uh, it's it's everywhere. Now we we are living in a nation that is completely uninformed at this point. Uh, we no longer have uh, any kind of free press. Um, what we call news is anything but. Uh, it is merely tabloid entertainment at this point. And uh, again, the purpose of, of this show is to, uh, is to bring us uh, a different perspective, uh, the only true worldview, and we hope that it's also a cure to much of the ignorance that plagues us. For um, we are drowning in knowledge, but we are starving for wisdom. All right, well, you ready to get going? Today we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about aliens, UFOs, or as they are more, uh, more commonly referred to these days by the media and our government, UAPs. And we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about... Um, how to view those things through the lens of God's Word. What, is, what does the Bible um, tell us regarding these things? And so, uh, again, UAPs, I think that's actually um, just uh, a couple of days ago, NASA 
has um, changed the meaning of that acronym. Of course, formerly UAP was um, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, and they've changed that to Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon, um, so that uh, now included in that definition um, are nautical vehicles, um, subterranean vehicles, and of course um, vehicles that um, that have come for or a come from or are able to travel in space. And so that's a unidentified anomalous phenomenon. It's a lot to remember, Will. Yeah. Yeah. Things are changing all the time. All right. So. Technically, technically, uh, everything is space. This room is space. Water is space. So technically saying it's traveling through space. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe a little redundant, in other words. <laughs> Do you find this whistleblower, David Grush? I find him very believable, ma'am. He's, he's a veteran. He served our country. Doesn't mean a lot in Washington, D.C., apparently, but, but, in, but in East Tennessee, it means a whole heck of a lot about people that served our country. He's decorated. Um, I've known him for some while. We've been in contact for a good, good while. I've talked to so many other people, ma'am, that are risking their careers, literally, or their reputations, pilots that have, that have chased these craft that we've seen on video, um, that have no heat signature, that, that defy our laws of physics. I just, I don't know how much more we can have of this. I, I really think what we're seeing now is the, um, is the military machine is realizing there's some dollars out there, and, and our Pentagon, which loses over a billion dollars a year in all and nobody asks any questions, is going to start asking us for more money to study the issue when, in fact, if they just release some of the files that they released to us that are so heavily redacted that they look like a piece of Swiss cheese, I just think we could, um, we could get to the bottom of this a lot faster. The House Oversight Chairman Comer has said he would ask you to lead the hearing on this. Any word on what that might happen, when that might happen? Well, we're just trying to um, get confirmed folks here, know that they can come in and, and testify. That's really the only holdup, ma'am. I'm, I'm not, um, uh, Chairman Comer is very kind to me, and the Speaker, speaker uh, McCarthy has also agreed that we could have this hearing, and, um, and I'm honored that they put me in charge of it, but that, that's really the only holdup right now is making sure we get everybody and we get their dates there. I, I get tired of these. We're, we're over COVID. I'm tired of all these Zoom meetings. I want bodies in chairs. Uh, will you? I'm assuming you're going to have David Grush there to testify, right? We're going to try. We are going to try. I think what he has to be really careful of is is crossing over that line of speaking about something that that maybe is classified or not, or taking out of context. And so we're going to work. We're going to work with him and his his folks and hopefully get him here as well. I think he would be a real star. And will you call on somebody from the Pentagon or the Department of Defense to come in? Because obviously what he's claiming is that there is a ultra top secret program, more top secret than the, a, right. the Arrow program that he was himself assigned to that exists, that is keeping this information hidden from Congress and the American public. 
I think at some time we will, ma'am, but the, the group that they put in charge of this, if you saw the intelligence committee that was open to the public, I mean, ma'am, they couldn't even spell UFO. They didn't have a clue about what's going on, and honestly, we really got hosed on that meeting because they, they built it up as they always do, and it was absolutely nothing. They could not slow down a 22-second uh, videotape. My little daughter will be 16 on Wednesday. She could have stopped that tape, and they would they couldn't even stop the tape to show allegedly what something was that was filmed with a cell phone inside of a canopy of an airplane. They just pulled something out, and if you look at the Tic Tac videos um, that are out, 60 Minutes did a big expose on it, and there's been multiple um, talks about talk shows about it, and it has the actual Navy pilots. We had a Navy pilot that was in the audience but was right. not allowed to come in because he had they had to give him press credentials that's the kind of garbage we're putting up with ma'am you know these congressmen we're just spoon fed this little stuff and as long as we get our big pack checks we're hey y'all so look all man, right check this video out and we're gonna break it down all right so they can barely even spell ufo yeah they uh of course they picked the the congressman from the east Tennessee, and that's nothing against Tennesseans, my, me being uh, one. But uh, yeah, that's that. Of course, was um, that's national news. That is a that's um, Representative Tim Burchett, and he is talking about uh, whistleblower David Grush. Um, this, of course, was a high-ranking official within our intelligence apparatus, um, holding one of the highest security clearances that um, one can hold in our nation. And this whistleblower has come forward, and what he has claimed is that our government possesses not only um, aircraft um, that has been made off planet, um, that being extraterrestrial craft, he has claimed that our government is also in possession of deceased extraterrestrial um, entities. Um, those are his claims. Uh, other claims that he um, has made is that um, our government has reverse engineered much of this uh, this alien or extraterrestrial technology. Um, from that reverse engineering, we have created um, different weapons uh, and craft that are in operation but being withheld uh, from the public view. Um, so uh, a lot of extraordinary claims that are being made by this whistleblower, David Grush. And um, now, um, after this... Um, NASA um, has held a four-hour-long press conference um, that can be viewed on, on YouTube and other platforms. Um, there is a, another man. His name is Dr. Stephen Greer, and he heads up an organization that is called the Disclosure Project. And this week, um, um, on June the 12th, they held a four-hour-long event um, that they have termed... Um, disclosure um, and of course a lot of information coming out of that how much of how much of this information is is accurate how much of this information is true well there's there's no way for any of us to know but again what what is uh, happening um, and it's beyond dispute is 
right now, um, our worldview is being informed. Um, and what, what that means uh, simply is that as folks are receiving this information, it is feeding into how they view the world and what is what is reality. And so, if you do not if you do not have a base for um, for that reality um, coming from the Bible, um, you are about to form new thoughts and new ideas about um, the world we live in, um, what one would call the universe. Um, what's operating around us um, as far as uh, intelligence, so so on and so forth. So, um, again, w- what's true, what's not out of this information, uh, there, there's, no way, there's no way to know, no way whatsoever. But the Word of God um, has some, some interesting information in it um, concerning this subject. So I'm going to look at, um, at Genesis chapter 6 and just start in verse 1 now it came to pass when man begins to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters are born to them that the sons of god now stop there the sons of god um, when we see this sons being um, in lowercase the the s in sons lowercase sons of god capital g in god this is referring to angels anytime we see this Um, the sons of god saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. And there were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, they bore children to them. And those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. So what, is, what does all that mean? Well, well, simply it means this. It means that um, at some point in the distant past, pre-flood, um, before the days of Noah, uh, that there were a group of fallen angels, uh, what we commonly refer to as demons. And they came, they saw the daughters of men, uh, thought them to be beautiful um, in their sight. And so they made an agreement amongst themselves that they would come down, that they would pick for themselves wives. Um, they did this. Of course, they had relations with those wives. And from that, children were conceived and a new race of being was born. Um, and this race of being is known as the Nephilim, um, that being half angelic um, and half human. And the Word of God tells us here in Genesis 6 that um, that these were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. Um, and that means that these were, were very strong, very mighty beings and men of, uh, of renown. This means that there were legends, there were stories that were told about them. Now, what, um, what I gather from this and where, um, where my thinking leads is that um, what we call Greek mythology was probably born out of some very real events. If one thinks about Greek mythology, um, we understand that there were a group of lowercase g gods that inhabited a place a place called Mount Olympus. Um, that these uh, ones that were called gods or viewed as gods by humanity, that they took for themselves wives of mortal 
of mortal men. And again, they had relations with them. And from this, we get characters uh, such as, as Hercules. And what the Bible tells us is that um, what we call legends, um, tall tales or myths, um, while much of that surely is um, legend and myth, those legends and myths, um, they were born out of some very real events. And of course, uh, the Bible goes on. That's in, in Genesis chapter 6. And then later on in chapter 6, we see that um, a man named Noah um, appears here in the Word of God. Um, Noah is a just man, perfect in all of his generations. In other words, his, um, his, uh, his geneal genealogical line is perfect, uh, being untainted. Um, Noah walked with God. He had three sons. Uh, the earth was corrupt before God. Um, and so what does he do? Um, he asks Noah to prepare an ark. Um, and then um, after preparing that ark, of course, we understand that Noah was obedient to God. Um, all the while, um, everyone around him um, calling him crazy, this man that's, that's building a, a giant vessel or a boat, um, that is far from, from any body of water. Uh, he, he nevertheless is obedient to God, full of faith. He builds this great ark. And then, of course, uh, there is a great flood that comes upon the earth. And the Word of God tells us that in the last days that it would be as it was in the days of Noah. And um, it is probably worth examining that statement for, for all that one can examine it for. What, what does that mean, what, um, that it will be as it was in the days of Noah? Well, certainly we can, we can say that, um, that wickedness will abound. It tells us that in the days of Noah that, that men's thoughts were continually um, wicked. Um, and I and think got that... big boats. Do what now? Man, we got big boats. Well, we we do got big boats. <laughs> yeah, um, but but man, I, I think that that it's uh, it could easily be argued that we are living in a in a time where there is wickedness all around us, um, and then of course uh, the generation that Noah lived in was was full of of scoffers. And uh, that's certainly true, but um, what what if there's more to it um, even than that? Um, perhaps um, what the Word of God is alluding to is that um, there's uh, <laughs> well, maybe there's just more to it. Will you know what I mean? Maybe there is is more to it. Um, so. Here we have, again, a high-level government official, whistleblower David Grush, um, making these spectacular claims. Um, we have this uh, representative from our United States Congress, um, Tim Burchett, who um, believes everything that this whistleblower is saying. Uh, they are uh, forming committees on this um, and, and hearings. And so, obviously, our government is taking this very seriously. Um, other government agencies uh, NASA um, convening over this, and then of course uh, extra um, or outside um, agencies from the government um, also 
convening and meeting over this. At the same time, um, this past week, um, there was also, um, past week being the, the same week that all of this other stuff uh, is occurring, um, we have uh, we have reports coming out of Las Vegas, uh, Nevada. Um, let's see if we can. Let's, what is this here? Let's see. Says, yeah, here is the individual. Um, this is actually after the fact, but there was a family. I don't know. Uh, many of you might not have might not have caught this, but in Las Vegas, um, this this past week. Um, uh, reports have have surfaced that multiple witnesses saw um, what was described as a UFO or UAP in the sky. Um, it looked like it was in distress. Reports of it going down or crashing. Um, multiple people filming this from um, from different um, different places, but all filming the same event. Um, and then. Uh, different calls coming in to 911, uh, reports of seeing the object. And then finally, there was a family, uh, a Hispanic family, um, who are residents in Las Vegas, and they made a 911 call uh, stating that the object that everyone had, um, had observed and that some had reported that this object had fallen or crashed in their backyard. Um, the individual, um, or one of the individuals then calls um, 911 and reports that this uh, object has crashed in his backyard. And um, even more spectacular than that, um, he claimed that there were multiple beings in his backyard, non-human beings or entities, that um, were eight to ten feet tall, um, had large eyes and large mouth, and uh, again he made a nine one one call that um, that one can can find pretty easily. Well, maybe we might find that um, here in just a minute. But uh, this is one of the latest videos that he's released on, I guess, what would be his personal social media accounts. Today's uh, June 12th. I'm outside my house, my family. Um, you can see people are saying that we disappeared, the news stations. You know, what I learned these couple days that everything on TV is fake, and especially the news channels, they all say fake stuff, and it's not true. You know, I already said what I had to say. If you want to believe it, believe it. I don't care no more. I just want to, you guys understand, because if you guys have depression, I have anxiety attacks. And I just want to, I just want to be normal again. I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel okay, guys. And um, just move on, guys. Forget about it and just, bye. So, his, uh, his assertion there in that latest video is that um, ever since he called in, um, and made this report that most of what's being reported on the media is not what actually happened. A tall, skinny alien creature with greenish color, with greenish color, that was about eight to 10 foot tall, was reportedly hiding behind a forklift in a Las Vegas family backyard. 
Zog. Here's maybe, he was, what, maybe he was trying to get the forklift to get their ship out of the ground. That he couldn't <laughs> use it because he wasn't forklift certified. Well, here's what here's what was crazy. Here, here's what was crazy about it. Um, we're still recording, right? Yeah. I'm good. Here's what was crazy about it. So the way that the the way that the entire story goes is this. Because if you if you watch the interviews and you you compile them together, he's done a couple of different interviews. One of them that he just filmed on his own social media account, um, and in that one, um, he just kind of describes the event. But then he did an interview with some with with somebody else, and he kind of starts back two weeks before this thing happened. So. He said that two weeks before any of this happened, that he was at a at a convenience store with uh, with some of his friends, or maybe it was family members, and he said that this woman walked up to him and told him, said, uh, "God wants to speak to you," and he said he was just like, "Okay, you know, weirdo, <laughs> whatever," uh, but then he said he got a strange feeling and he decided to listen to her, and he said the woman looked him right in the eyes and said, uh, "You're gonna have a UFO." land in your backyard you're going to see these beings and here's the odd part he said that the woman told him that the that the beings are going to eat a bunch of people in las vegas so that sounds really wild right and obviously the kid walks away from this and not long after convinced himself like that woman was absolutely nuts right yeah so then fast forward to when all this happens and he what he's doing is he's outside oddly enough like near midnight and if you look at the if you look at uh, all the video and photographs of their backyard they must run some kind of uh some kind of repair business or something because they've got a bunch of there's equipment back there and there's trucks in their backyard and apparently he was back there working on some truck and it, it was him and a couple of other guys and uh, while they're out there working i don't guess they know it but there's uh all these reports coming into las vegas police department that there's sightings of a ufo or what's now being called a uap over this community and so police are already en route to the area and there's multiple different officers that are showing up and they are uh, beginning to catch images on their dash cams and on their body cams of something in the sky and so again now you're compiling all these different videos but you've got video of officers that are you know like real excited running around the streets and on their body cam they're flagging people down and they're saying hey you know i know this sounds crazy but did you guys just see something in the sky all right now uh yeah I, I was just watching i was just watching one of the videos in the first clip that was on cnn the first clip is a body cam and you can see like the blue streak through the sky yeah you yeah know, yeah is that the one where like you see the blue stripe uh, blue streak through the sky and then you see this bright flash like yeah. uh, afterwards right so now people are reporting this thing in the sky then the flash happens and what this this young man says is that while he was up underneath the truck it's like he said they heard a, a really loud noise he said it sounded like this whirring noise then a, a loud crash that happened and it was like a shock wave hit them so he came out from underneath the truck he said he looked over to where the thing would have hit and he said that um all he saw at first was like this shimmering look and then it was uh 
it was like the area where it should have been it was just everything looked very blurry he said his vision wasn't blurred but but that area looked looked very blurry he said that later when the officers came and they all examined the area and there's all kinds of photographs of this there's this this big circle on the ground where it would have been but he said that best they can figure it had some kind of cloaking ability or something because they couldn't see anything he said the next thing that happened what this sounds like uh, um I remember watching, what was it? Maybe it was just a TikTok or something like that that I saw. But I could have swore I've seen it on a TV show. Um, <clears throat> they've they found, of course, it's all kind of, it's very, like, preliminary right now. But they have, like, these, uh, these Fresnel lenses. And if you bend them at a specific angle, it'll create that effect. Like... That area just kind of seems to disappear, quote unquote. But it's kind of it's it's like he's describing it blurry, like it just kind of bends the light around the object. Yeah. So like the object, the object directly behind this lens, there's not like a like you don't see that object. You don't see like any of the the light from that object, but the light around it kind of bends and it's kind of blurry. So essentially, through ref, to just reflect, refracting, ref, refraction, refraction, yeah, yeah. <laughs> through the refraction of light, yeah, you're just you're not you know you're not able to see the object even though it's right in front of you. So apparently, that's it had some kind of some kind of technology like that. Yeah. And then he said that he then looked over and he saw a being that looked very much human. He said that had a human face. He said that uh, and when you listen to his description, he said that he could even uh, see eyelashes. He said that he, but he was afraid, so he looked away. When he looked back, he said that the appearance had changed and that the eyes were neon. And um, that he looked away again. And then when he looked back the third time, he said that, it, that his appearance had completely changed. And he said now he was looking at a being that was somewhere between eight and ten feet tall. And the way he described it would be what you would call like your classic uh, gray alien. You know, a tall, slender being, large yeah. head, um, large eyes, wide mouth, uh, no ears or, or visible nose or anything like that. So he said that whenever he saw it, that he experienced something um, that was like sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. um, then uh, that gave way and that he went back into the house. And then that's when he calls 911. And when he calls 911... Uh, he's telling, uh, do you have the 911 call? Uh, See if you can pull up that 911 call while, I'm, while I, I keep... Uh, it says it's not the actual playback of it, but it's like there's like an eight-foot person beside it, and another one is inside, and it has big eyes, and it's looking at us, and it's still there. Uh, says what he told us. In my backyard... Uh, I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually, we're terrified. Yeah, and he sounded terrified. He sounded absolutely terrified when you when you listen to the call. And so then, uh, they send officers to the house, um, and you can um, you can see some body cam footage from that. But then there's also cell phone footage of a several males outside of the fence. They're all carrying weapons. 
and they're all getting ready to go into the backyard. And as they're getting ready to go into the backyard, um, you can hear one of the individuals saying, there they are, there's two of them. There's one inside the front loader and there's another on the outside of the front loader. They get ready to go in, they see something, they all get scared, they, they back back out. Then you have the body cam footage from the police officers and the body cam footage from the police officer shows uh, everything going on in the front in the front yard, but for whatever reason, they they have blacked out everything from the backyard, and they've uh, not released any of the the individual's cell phone footage because he says that he had cell phone footage from inside of his house, perf yeah. like perfectly uh, clear footage, but we're, we've yet to see uh, any of that. The reason they have not released it is because it is private property. Yeah, private yeah. Property. which how many times have you seen on the news where they the where they're right? Yeah. they're right into somebody's house. Yeah, 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 just like there and there's some woman like in her underwear and everything else. Like they that's never been a problem before. And now all of a sudden, like oh, we can't show you someone's backyard on the yeah. on the news. No, that doesn't make that doesn't make sense. So uh, uh, yeah, it, uh, here's here's some more of it. Some more of the 911 call. He said, uh, the officer, or the dispatcher asked him a question. He was like, correct. And they're very large, they're like eight, nine, ten foot. I don't know. They look like aliens to us. Big eyes. They have big eyes, like I can't explain it, and big mouth. They're shiny eyes, and they're not human. They're 100%. They're not human. And then it says, a responding officer is seen in the body cam footage asking what the witnesses saw and told them his partner saw the same thing. Yeah. Let's look at this. What's this? Family in Las Vegas insisting something is out there after allegedly having a close encounter of the third kind. I swear to God, this is not a joke. One witness calling 911 after they say an object fell out of the sky and landed in their backyard. They're like nine foot, ten foot tall. They look like aliens to us. Big eyes, they have big eyes. A mysterious object that fell from the sky. Even the officers apparently saw that. The green glow of the alleged UFO is seen on this newly released body camera footage. I have butterflies, bro. Everyone saw the shooting star. The this is the cop speaking. In backyard. So when that 911 call came in, less than an hour later, police were ready to believe it. It was like a big creature. A big creature? Yeah, like a long time Because I'm not going to BS you guys. One of my partners said they saw something fall out of the sky too, so that's why I'm kind of curious. Did you see anything land in your backyard? Or? But after a brief investigation of the yard, officers closed the case as unfounded. And those, those nine-foot beings come back, don't call us, all right? Deal with it yourself. That, That's with that. the official <laughs> statement of the police. Intelligence officer David we don't Joe do it. Yeah. We pr protect and serve, but not from aliens. To Congress claiming the U.S. government has a vast collection of vehicles that have non-human origin. Hey, what I, believe. I believe these are demons, right? This guy uh, says, I believe these are demons. Uh, I, I believe the same thing, brother. The I believe are like, these are no, demons. The space force. That's what they're for. Well, hey, look, and here's the thing. Uh, during his administration, President Trump formed a space force. And I, I would, I'm going to give a prediction um, right now that, that might sound crazy on June the 13th of 2023, uh, but I don't think it'll sound so crazy um, several months from now that the space force is going to ask for for billions if not if not trillions of dollars to protect us from from this external threat uh, and um, like I said that 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 might sound crazy today but I do not think it's going to sound crazy in the not so distant future so yeah 
I, I think uh, something something raised the debt ceiling. <laughs> Man, yeah. So you know the Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan multiple times back during his administration said that his belief was that the world would would finally come together under a unified banner uh, if there was an extraterrestrial threat. Uh, Calvin Coolidge, actually in the early, early 1900s, he was the very first one uh, to, to mention that same thing, that it was his belief that, that humanity would come together um, if there was an external um, extraterrestrial threat. Um, but um, most interesting is that Vonner von Braun, um, who was the very first head of NASA, um, interesting fact about him, he was also a top Nazi rocket scientist that the United States government brought over under Operation Paperclip. Um, and he was the first head of the NASA organization and um, in the months leading up to his death, uh, he, he was uh, very passionate about warning um, about a, an event that he, he called the final card. And he said that, um, that the governments of the world would, would put forward a alien or extraterrestrial threat that he said would be false flag in nature. In other words, he would uh, he said that we would be presented with a great threat. We would be told that that we were under threat of extermination from an outsider extraterrestrial force and that that would necessitate um, all of the governments of the world um, coming together under a one world government so that we could formulate a unified and rational response. And of course the the Bible the Bible tells us that there will indeed be a one world government in the final days leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. And again, um, it's my assertion that the Bible tells us that that world government would be formed by means of subterfuge and deception. And uh, I believe that we're seeing seeing that right now. I don't know exactly what all of this is, but I do know one thing: we cannot count on on um, our media, um, and we cannot count on our government to to uh, inform us of our worldview or or the truth behind these events. Yeah. But uh, did you see what Kim Kad uh, Kim Kardashian was wearing today? Well, that's that. That's what most that, and and that's, and I'm 41 years old, and for for my for my whole life, I've heard it said over and over again that the the great question is, are we alone in the universe? You know, you've you've heard the same thing, and it's it's you know it's been in our pop culture, it's been in media, and here we are in 2023, and that question has um, you know, as far as what we're you know what we're looking at now, what the government wants to tell us, right? That question has been answered. They're telling us that yes, we've we've yeah. got craft, we've got bodies. Um, there there are aliens. 
Um, there are multiple civilizations. Uh, you know, that's what some of these groups are, are saying, that disclosure project. Um, and we couldn't care less. No. I mean, if you look at... If you... <laughs> If you look at uh, if you look at the New York Times, if you look at the Washington Post, if you you know um, any of these major publications, it, it truly is you know what what you just joked about. You know, it's stories about um, you know a Kardashian. It's you know it's, it's stories about you know the next awards show and all of these different things. And most most of the public um, is not really taking a serious look at any of this at all. I mean, this is this is what has been referred to as, as slow drip disclosure. Uh, that's what these individuals are calling it, and what they assert is that this is not by accident at all. Um, that this is being um, leaked into our consciousness um, slowly and methodical, so that uh, people will um, will have the the anticipated response, which is basically no response at all. So that these things become a reality to us without us really thinking much about it, until finally uh, we're presented with with some kind of grand uh, grand idea that will necessitate uh, a shared response from all of us. Um, probably giving up, you know, more uh, more of our freedoms in exchange for security. Uh, that's that seems to be the pattern. Slow drip disclosure. Like we'd said earlier, starting off talking about um, worldview, that one of the ways that our worldview is is given to us is uh, that we are bombarded constantly from television, film, music, newspapers, magazines, books, and academia. So, what does that look like practically? Well, every time we turn on a television, we're seeing a television show. Um, you know, where aliens are, are um, there's some kind of alien invasion. Um, you know, you turn on something like uh, um, The Flash, which is a, a show about a popular comic book character. And within that show, there are ideas uh, incorporating what's called uh, the multiverse. Um, the multiverse being um, different dimensions. Um, and inside of those different dimensions are different versions of the Earth. And on each of those Earths is a version of you that has made different choices and um, so is living a, uh, a different or parallel life to, to yours. And so all of these things are, are, um, are invading our, our subconscious space. And those things, whether we realize it or not, those things uh, deeply, deeply affect our worldview. And so um, there are there are those things um, within the news, um, not just starting this past week, but actually starting back, um, I think around late 2020, early 2021, um, the United States Air Force started releasing um, video, and so did the Navy of um, videos that they had of different UAP. Um, and so that was a kind of disclosure in and of itself that our government for the first time was acknowledging that, um, that UAP or um, UFOs were a very real thing and that, um, that um, pilots and other service members, um, um, even high-ranking service members, were, um, were reporting seeing these things. 
um, astronauts begin um, coming forward and talking about um, things that, that they have seen um, that they would classify as um, extraterrestrial in origin. And so all of these things figure into what we would call uh, slow drip disclosure. And what, what happens from that is um, our, um, our response can be controlled. And so if you give people um, information in this slow drip fashion, um, rather than, than everybody just turning on a dime and responding to this in some kind of panic, um, it just kind of slowly drips into our subconscious. And so people just uh, in, in a very um, gradual fashion begin to believe these things um, that the people in power want them to believe. Does that make sense, Will? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I think they, I think they're more subtle with some things than others. Um, like, for example, uh, witchcraft, um, that type of stuff. Uh, I mean, I love Harry Potter. You know, uh, I understand. I understand what what some people have against it. Uh, as far as the witchcraft side of it goes, um, but it, it seems fairly mild in my judgment. But I mean, to each his own. You know, I'm not here to. Well, I'm not judging what other people think about it. But I think the thing that that really stuck out to me um, recently is uh, like WandaVision, and uh, what was that other movie? Um, which one was it? The where she becomes the Scarlet Witch or whatever. Oh, um, you mean one of the one of the newer Marvel films where she? Uh, I think it was uh, Doctor Strange in the yeah, yeah Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and so yeah. that that shows all that's all about the multiverse. There's witchcraft, satanic symbolism all throughout that. I was gonna say they they don't they don't even they don't hold back at all in that. Mm-mm. They didn't hold back, and, like, people loved it. Yeah. And I, like, me and uh, me and Riley were, were watching it, and we were like, I think we should turn this off. Well, here, <clears throat> that fits in perfect with the idea of what we're talking about with, with, with a kind of slow drip disclosure. Also, you get people warmed up to an idea gradually over time, and what you do is you make it as innocuous as you can in the beginning, and then you take and you, you just, you ratchet it up more and more as time goes on so you start off with something looking you know very very playful and then it becomes more and more you know what it what it truly is so you know that movie that you're talking about the multiverse of madness um next from that is the black adam movie and in the black adam movie um satan himself makes an appearance like uh a very uh, a, a very accurate depiction of satan as present um in in that movie, um, there's uh, there's a cartoon out right now that is about. Uh, let, me, let me find. Let me find that. It's about the Antichrist. It's called Little Demon, and it's on FX. And uh, um, yeah, yeah, Danny DeVito is in it. Um, what's uh, very popular actress um, is also in it. Her name is uh, da, da, da. 
Oh, come on. What's her name? Audrey Plaza. Or Aubrey Plaza. Um, plays Laura. Danny DeVito as <clears throat> Satan. Lucy DeVito as their daughter, Chrissy. And Eugene Cordero recurring as Chrissy's best friend, Bennigan. Um, it says that um, Little Demon was created and written by Darcy Fowler, um, Seth Kirshner, and a few others. Uh, let's see. Is there a plot summary on here? <laughs> Little Demon is an animated comedy series about Satan and the Antichrist. And this is a children's show that is owned by Disney. And so, like... Children's? Yeah, it's a, this it's is a... Most of the time they make that stuff and it's like, uh, this is a cartoon for adults. <laughs> Did they actually say it's for children? Uh, maybe that was just my assumption since it's from Disney. Here's here's their their uh, description of it, the actual creators of the show. It says, 13, 13 years after being impregnated by Satan, a reluctant mother, Laura, and her Antichrist daughter, Chrissy attempt to live an ordinary life in Delaware. That's where Bud, uh, Joe Biden's from. But are constantly thwarted by monstrous forces, including Satan, who yearns for custody of his daughter's soul. FX's comedy or FX's animated comedy series Little Demon features the voices of Aubrey Plaza as Laura, Danny DeVito as Satan, Lucy DeVito as their daughter Chrissy. Uh, so it doesn't say if it's a children's if it's a children's animated series or or not. So it doesn't really specify. But if you look at the if you look at the uh, actual animation and um, and especially since they haven't, uh, I guess the interesting question is like when does it air, right? Like what time of what time of day or night? But I think it's fair to say that, that kids will find themselves watching that show. And the point that I'm driving at is that Satan has, is becoming more and more open now. So what started off is, you know, it's like you said a minute ago, um, and this is without any kind of you know, judging on anybody, just, just my own personal thoughts and, and opinions, I guess. Um, if, you, if you look at something like Harry Potter, Harry Potter is, is um, you know, it's, I'm not a huge um, Harry Potter fan, so you, you feel free to, to correct me on, on anything here. But Harry Potter um, is one of several... Um, wizards or witches that live within a place called Hogwarts and this is a kind of academy for these kids to uh, to hone their craft or their skill and then they embark on a series of adventures um, that are quite magnificent in scope and the ultimate um, aim to those adventures is to save the world from an ultimate evil that is called um, Voldemort is that right uh, yeah, essentially. Pretty, pretty, pretty accurate. So the thing about those, the thing about those, those films that most people don't don't realize is that J.K. Rowland um, claims to be a Christian, but she's got a tattoo on her wrist that is uh, the same. Let me. I always want to make sure I'm giving 
accurate information. So she's got a tattoo on her wrist. It is Latin. And it is the word sob et coagula, which means oh, sob et coagula, which means dissolve and coagulate. And she is a very, very intelligent person. I do not get the feeling that she does things um, arbitrarily or things that um, are without meaning. Um, she's a very artistic and literary mind. And again, she, she, her claim is that she is Christian, but if she is Christian, what I would contend is that, that she herself does not have a, a biblical worldview. This tattoo that she has, what's interesting about it is there is a uh, well-known statue um, called Baphomet, um, and th those statues um, are revered within Satanism, and they always hold a very specific pose with one hand um, pointed up like this and the other one facing down like this. And on that statue's wrist um, always is that very same tattoo in the very same place that she has that tattoo. And of course, uh, that term is one that comes from, uh, from alchemy, right? And so that in itself is something that um, if you are um, empirical in nature, those kind of things, um, you know, would, would cause concern. Um, there's also that um, the spells that are contained within, um, within the book of spells that was released, those are, um, those are actual spells. Um, and then, you know, there's actual paraphernalia that comes along with that, wands and things like that. And what one could argue is that resulting from all this is a bunch of kids who have ended up with a book of spells and a magic wand and they think that they're playing games but actually what they're doing is casting spells that were compiled by someone who is is likely an actual witch now <clears throat> maybe uh, maybe that's an accurate depiction of what's going on um, maybe it's not but what I do think is safe to say is that if, if the if we look in the Word of God and we're looking at a pure a pure biblical worldview that says, okay, look, um, there's things that I want you to abstain from. One of them being witchcraft, and then the Bible says, all right, now look, you might have questions about that because God knows our hearts, our minds, and the way that we think, and 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 He knows exactly how the enemy, the devil, is going to come after us. And so what God says is, God says, listen, witchcraft, I want you to stay away from it. And he says, and even, he says, even avoid the appearance of it. Like avoid even things that, even things that you think aren't witchcraft, but appear to look like witchcraft. The word of God gives direction that says, stay away from it. Avoid these things, right? Don't even play with them. Now, why? But most likely because it's wisdom coming from God saying like, if you play with these things, then what will happen is something more serious will come and you're going to be more willing to accept it now, somebody like I, I know you, and I and obviously me and you have had lots of discussions about this stuff. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna watch a show about the Antichrist or anything else, but somebody else that that um, that isn't informed of the information that you have, you can see how those folks would be vulnerable to the tactics of, of oh, the enemy. And so what's happened now, whether or not that figures into it, is is you know a step along the way what we do know is this now 
we have music videos by Little Nas X where he's giving lap dances to the to the literal devil. Um, at the latest Grammy Awards, we got Sam Smith, who is dressed dressed up like like Satan himself, singing a song called "Unholy," with a transvestite, which essentially is a man dressed up as a woman, has the world calling him a woman because the world is in that that state of confusion. Um, you've got Marvel movies like what we're talking about, where Satan himself is making appearances in the m movie that you had mentioned, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Well, then that uh, the scene where where he's battling that version of himself with the third eye, all of those symbols that are flying back and forth, um, a lot of that is actual real symbols within witchcraft, within Satanism. There's even stuff. Uh, that, some of the deeper things within that scene, um, you being a musical person, um, you'll have a, a, uh, an ability to, to grasp this idea easily. Um, you might be familiar what resolution is in music, right? The term resolution. Mm -hmm. So resolution is like if you take like a classic piece that says like, you have resolution mm -hmm. at, the, at the end of that, right? Yeah. Um, we, most of the music that that we consume um, now, especially within uh, the hip-hop genre and a lot of pop music, there is never resolution with, within, um, within the bars, right? So it's like, and what that does is it leaves a person um, feeling... Um, a certain amount of anxiety because there's not yeah. resolution within the music, right? And so what you saw within that scene, you actually saw a, a battle of of music that was that was going on. Um, every every part of of that movie was was meaningful, as as most of them are. But most most audiences just aren't going to pick up on on all of these things, and they know that. But what it does is it still informs your your subconscious and um, conditions which is where where we started this whole rant from is that that slow conditioning it gets you used to it yeah it's everything that you're watching <clears throat> everything that we most of the things that we uh, see most if not all of the things that we see coming out of Hollywood are, are what um, is commonly referred to as predictive programming um, you know <laughs> I'm a big I, I'm a lover of words, and I believe that you know that that words uh, words tell us more than what your average person will pick up on. You know, um, we're talking about what inhabits our universe, and even in the debate about about that, most people will never understand or haven't understood that even that word universe um, speaks to what God did when all of this was created. The universe means one. Um, grouping of words, one verse, right? And then he brought the world or the universe into existence with exactly that, with with his words. Um, so, predictive programming is 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 always happening, right? And so, uh, no one thinks much about words, but we um, now we view a lot of things on a phone. But before that, uh, the the primary device that we received our media from was what? Before phones. A television, right? Yeah. Television. Tell a vision, right? Tell a vision. I'm going to tell you a vision to have, right? Um, and what comes out of a television? Programming, 
programming comes out of the television because that's what's happening. We're receiving programming, right? So we turn that device on that tells a vision and through it we receive programming. We've been told the entire time exactly what is happening. So when you turn that programming on, oftentimes what we're receiving is predictive programming. And that predictive programming is conditioning your subconscious to, to more easily process and accept future events. Okay, so let, let's let's uh, just go on a on a fantastical journey um, that and just pretend that none of this is is real or happening or, or going to be true. But let's just say that the governments of the world um, want to want to fake some kind of extraterrestrial threat that um, the Hegelian dialect might be fulfilled. The Hegelian dialect being that. Um, that um, a certain group of people conspire together. Uh, conspiracy, by the way, is just is just a plan made by multiple people. And let's say a group of people conspire together, and they say that they are going to uh, hatch a plan uh, that they would um, propagate a fake alien invasion on the world. Right? Mm -hmm. um, they have a, a solution in mind. They want um, the world to fall behind a one-world government, but they know that. Uh, the people within the different nations um, being patriotic or nationalistic, they will not cede their national sovereignty. Um, and so how do you get people to cede their national sovereignty? Um, well, if that's your solution, you need a problem that will make those people actually ask for the thing that you know they would have otherwise rejected. And so um, what might that plan be? Um, well, Ronald Reagan, again, we, I think we said this earlier, eight different times at least during his administration gave speeches wherein he stated his belief that the only way that the governments of the world would ever unify and put aside what are otherwise petty differences would be that um, we would come under an extraterrestrial threat, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if there were a group of people that um, would conspire to... Um, to have that goal fulfilled, then they would uh, program us to accept that, right? But you need to do that subconsciously. So, so what do you do? You produce, um, you produce films, um, television show, feature length, um, radio programming, um, and 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 more. And within that, um, you you show people images of these things happening. They they receive these things as fiction. But again, within Marvel films, you see an outside extraterrestrial force um, coming coming against the Earth and then the need for a group of heroes um, to come against um, come against that thing. Um, back whenever I was a teenager, Independence Day with Will Smith, um, that I remember came out on uh, July the 2nd of that year, just a couple of days before Independence Day. I went and saw that that movie with uh, my best friend at the time, um, and that movie shows us an alien invasion and how the the governments of the world would respond to it. And and since then there have been there's been movie after movie after movie um, showing us um, this basic scenario and how humanity will respond to it. And so all the while humanity is watching this, and we think of it purely as fiction, but what's happening is our minds are are taking in the possibility nonetheless. And so in this way, our minds are 
again, subconsciously conditioned to how we might respond ourselves. And so through this predictive programming, um, we receive all of these different scenarios. And then what happens is when this stuff is fulfilled, um, we've, we've got an idea of how we're going to respond to it, though we never were conscious that that was even happening. Yeah. And I, I, just, I just thought of this. Like, how many times have you been in the shower and you've been like, uh, you're recounting a conversation that you had and you're like, somebody really got one over on you. You're like, man, I should have come back with this. And it's like you're sitting there, you, you replay that in your head and you're thinking, I wish I could, you know, this is how I would, this is how I should have responded to that. And it's like, they're doing the same thing, except with, with things like aliens and witchcraft and stuff like that. You know, you get done watching that movie, you're sitting there, you know, you're getting ready to go to bed or whatever, and you're thinking, man, that would be cool to, to be able to do magic. <clears throat> you think, what would I do if I actually could use magic? Or like, man, uh, you know, watching Star Wars, being able to travel to other planets and stuff like that, you know, that'd, yeah. be, that'd be cool. You sit there and you think about that. We all do. You think about the scenarios of what you would do mm-hmm. if you were in that situation. Yeah. And they, they're just, they're playing off of that. Yeah. I mean, they're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's a good way to put that. I mean, every time we watch a movie, whether it's about aliens, you leave the theater thinking, like, how would, I, how would I respond? What would I do? If you're watching The Walking Dead, you know, it's like you know, what, every, every episode is like, what would I do if I was, in, if I was in, Rick's, you know, in Rick's shoes? If it's about a meteor strike, you know, you're thinking to yourself, where would I go if they were, if they were doing that? How, you know, how would I react? Where would I, where would I hide? You know, what, what place would I, would I run to? Um, all of those things. And again, when you take yourself through the motions, it's easy to see how this how this happens. But yeah. again, if you're if you're thinking of, of everything in terms of just entertainment, if you're thinking of everything, you know, in terms of just what it is that you're consuming, mm-hmm. uh, without ever thinking about what you're actually consuming, then there's a lot of unattended side effects. I mean, it's the yeah. it's the spiritual version of what happens with with when we consume things put them into our body without thinking about what it is. Yeah. I mean, we wonder why this nation, why everybody is, is sick and dying in, in what is supposed to be the most advanced nation on the face of the planet. And we've got some of the worst health on the face of the planet. And it's because we are a people that consume, consume, consume anything that's on the shelves. And we never even look at what's in it. Most of the stuff that's in our food here is outlawed in, in, in most of the world. Yet we consume it here without a second thought wondering why it is that we have some of the worst health in the world. We do the same thing um, on a spiritual level with what it is that we take in and consume with our eyes and our ears. And, uh, and again, you know, if people, if, if people would really, really start thinking about what it is that the enemy is doing, mm-hmm. um, I think that it would really change the, um, our consumption habits. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think how to how to say this. Uh, you know, I've been talking to you about wanting to wanting to make a movie. Um, so like I've been doing a lot of research into into that. Um, 
trying to trying to kind of go off what we've been you know what we've been talking about. So like a lot of the things that I've been seeing, like a lot of the things that I've been researching, how every everything that they do in a movie is to convey a specific feeling, is to convey, uh, you know, is to have you focus on what they want you to focus on. It's to, I mean, that's that's the mark of a great filmmaker, a great storyteller. They can, like, it's everything, and again, like you were saying, everything in that film is there for a purpose. Every way that they move that camera is there for a purpose. It's all manipulation. Everything that they focus on is there for a purpose, and it is to drive the narrative that they want to drive into you. Whether you're conscious of it or not, like, uh, what is it? The movie 1917, for example. Like, I watched that movie and I was like, "Wow, that is a great movie." And then, like, I go back and I start seeing people talking about uh, the different, you know, how they shot this movie and the the feelings that you know the other people are picking up from what what they're trying to convey in this movie, and it's like. Wow, I really like you go back and watch it again, and you're like, it blows your mind sitting there watching it, and you're like, I do understand the feeling. Like, it was it was subconscious before, but like actually paying attention to it, you pick up on those feelings that they are showing and doing with everything. Pull up a pull up the pull up the trailer for a movie called The Creator on them. See if we can get it on this screen behind us. Have you, uh, do you know anything about AI? How much have you researched AI? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm honestly, I mean, I'm a very technological person. Uh, you know, I love technology, learning new stuff, but AI is kind of one of those things that I have put off. Because well, it, it kind of scares me. Not yeah, gonna lie. well, it's terrifying, it, especially if you don't, if you don't have the, the, the Bible um, as a lens to, to view it all through. But AI... Um, What's it called? The Creator. I believe that's it. Let me, let me look. Yeah, it's got John David Washington in it, which is Denzel Washington's son. What's heaven? It's a beautiful place in the sky. Can you tell if it is? It's kind of loud. Can you do the vol? Can I do the volume on here? Ten years ago today, the artificial intelligence created to protect us detonated a nuclear warhead in Los Angeles. As long as AI is a threat, I think it'll be fine. We will never lose it. Huh? This is a fight for our very existence. Whatever's in there, they're sure worried about someone getting in. Yeah, they're getting Go to heaven. Because we're not 
so you see what's going on there. That movie is about artificial intelligence, and apparently we've got to the point where artificial intelligence has uh, has evolved and and has now opposed humanity. We are in a in a war for survival, and this character played by John David Washington, uh, he is deployed to go and find what is referred to as the weapon, and when he uh, locates this uh, this thing called the weapon, he finds that it is artificial intelligence that is in the form of a human child um, and has uh, personality, emotions, all of these things. And what what you may have picked up from the preview is the audience is made to sympathize with the artificial intelligence and his decision to protect the artificial intelligence rather than um, destroy it so that humanity might be saved. Mm-hmm. And so you think about that um, in relation to what you were talking about just a moment ago, and you can see like what they're doing with that. And there's all there's been multiple movies. There was a movie that I watched not long ago. It was called Chappie, um, and that's what the the whole premise of that movie was. There was an artificial intelligence, um, and throughout the entirety of the movie, you're made to fall in love with Chappie. Um, you know, and have human feelings toward it, and you cannot help but 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 do just that as you watch the movie. Um, that's like even I was a hundred percent aware, and I still couldn't help but root for that little rope for for the robot and the people that were aligned with the robot. Um, there's cartoons for kids to do the same thing. Um, Wally, if you watch Wally, um, there it's a robot that is humanity's hope for salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you find yourself rooting for um, for that robot. Um, I think back when I was a kid, there was um, not. I think I know that there was, but um, I don't. I can't say that I recall the the plot line uh, all that clearly. But I do remember watching a movie uh, multiple times. It was a favorite of mine called Short Circuit, and in that uh, movie from that would have been in the either late '80s or very early '90s. That was about a robot that had artificial intelligence. His name was Johnny Five, and Johnny Five, um, his I can remember still to this day him saying he's crying out, "Johnny Five is alive!" They're trying to kill him, you know, like beat him to death with a with a bat. He ends up dying. Um, I cried as a kid, um, and then they uh, use his programming and re- reboot him into a, another body. And of course, you know, I'm cheering as a kid that, that they've been able to revive this robot. So <clears throat> the point is, is they're making us um, sympathetic toward artificial intelligence. And again, what is artificial intelligence? Um, if it's if it is if if it does in fact possess intelligence, um, the the ability to um, form original thoughts, um, process them, if it has uh, its own will. All of those things. Uh, what does what does that mean? Um, and wouldn't wouldn't that in and of itself qualify as a kind of alien life form, or what we have referred to previously as a kind of extraterrestrial life, something that is that is um, non-human, or at least more than human? And the reason I say more than human is because it is something that's created by humans, and so there certainly is a kind of humanity within it if it was created by us. But but it is more than that. And yeah, there's 
There's a whole, there's a, there's a bunch of rabbit holes you can delve down into with any of that. Oh, man, there's I mean, everything, a everything from like, uh, what was I just thinking of? From like, I forget exactly what the theory's called, but it's like, you know, you've seen these studies of like, there's a, there's a, uh, a car driving down the road. It doesn't have time to stop. There's a dog and a little old lady, and you have to save one of them. And it's like majority of people save the dog type thing. Right. So it's like, are they trying to get us to sympathize with AI on a level that we would choose to save the AI over human a human life? Well, I mean, and that's exactly what, what that film was doing. Yeah. And... Like, no matter what, what they are doing with success is informing our worldview and implanting in us an idea that as humans, that we we can have human emotions toward toward a life form that is uh, mechanical. And even within these movies, they're already they're already um, asserting that that would be acceptable within our with our within our human uh, construct or um, you know society. And so, uh, which is necessary for what these perverts and wicked minds really want. I mean, we live in a world where already you can buy very, very sophisticated um, sex dolls that are becoming more and more um, human-like. And so, um, you know, of course, it it needs to be acceptable for... Man... I think we're probably about two heartbeats away from a future where people, where men are walking around with with robot wives, and and you're going to be expected to act like it's just completely normal, just just like all this other crazy stuff. You know, yeah. you you're told that you're you know you're canceled from society if you don't you know, hey John is now John's now a woman, and you're gonna have to you're gonna have to call John a her, and you refuse so you lose your job. Yeah. That's the world that we live in right now. In other or words, it's like, or it's like that uh, that one episode of, uh, of I think it was Star Trek, where it's like they land on a planet where everything is socially driven, and it's like if you get enough dislikes, you can literally be like killed for it. That was on Star Trek. Yeah. When? How long ago was that? I was a big Trekkie. I loved Star Trek. How long ago was that? Is that like a new episode? Is that from like one maybe of the... Maybe it was a Star Trek. Maybe it was the... Uh, I think it was the... Oh, what's his name? The guy that made Family Guy? Uh, 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 not Matt Groening. Uh, no. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, come on, man. Um... He, has a, he has a Star Trek spinoff as well. I think it was on that. That's what it was. gonna kill me Seth MacFarlane yeah Seth MacFarlane he has a Star Trek spinoff type thing and they had an episode like that Futurama huh? no no not Futurama it's like a it's like a live action oh okay 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 it's like a live action thing well look episodes. and think about that that that's that's satire but that's that's happening right now over yeah. in China they've got the social credit score system yeah that's, that's a very exactly real thing you can literally get to a place if you I mean and and you do something stupid in society yeah if you jaywalk yeah. you just lost a point you get caught cursing you just lost a point you buy uh, more you uh, consume more meat than what they want you to consume 
you've just lost points. Carbon emissions, too much, you just lost points. And if you lose enough points within that social credit score system, um, you'll begin to lose different rights, like social media rights, to where mm -hmm. you can't exist in the in the digital space. And then and from there, what college you go to? Yes. Determine now, what jobs you can have. While while that's work. going on in China, your average American <clears throat> is rolling around in here, going, "Oh, those poor Chinese, those like those, those suckers over there, how, it must be terrible." And what no one understands or realizes is that already the same thing is going on here, but it's happening in in what we could call a slow drip fashion. Yeah. So what does that look like to your average American? Well, what that looks like is Bud Light putting uh, Dylan Mulvaney on the front of a Bud Light can. Um, and someone might say, huh, wait, what, I, I, you just lost me. What, what, what are you talking about? All right, so see if you can track with me here. Bud Light, who caters to, um, to the redneck population throughout America, right? In other words, it's, it's a, uh, a bunch of red-blooded American men that are drinking Bud Light beer. And, of course, also, you know, I, I'm aware you know, um, your average housewife that, you know, that just wants hops water or, you know, whatever else. Um, I don't drink beer anymore, but uh, I used to very much enjoy craft beer and, and, and very much looked down my nose to anybody that drank uh, any kind of light beers like that. But uh, I mean, it, it was the, this digression from a pastor on, on beer. It was the go-to. It was like you walk in somewhere and it's like, I want a beer. Yeah, Bud Light. Got, so, got Bud Light. So, but here's here's the here's the point. Probably not. So Why does a company <laughs> like Bud Light, who has some of the most creative and intelligent ad executives in in all of corporate, um, not just America, but uh, what I would I guess you could call the corporate world, right? Um, they're famous for for their commercials, and they're very effective at targeting their audience. They know their audience. You know, I mean, the Budweiser Clydesdales, the the uh, remember the frogs? Do you remember the frogs or the What's Up guys? Mm -hmm. All right, all of that, all of that targets a very specific audience. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes Bud Light. Let's put a dude dressed up as a girl in the front of our can and tell a bunch of dudes that you know are already concerned with their masculinity to drink this beer, right? There's no way you can tell me that they did not anticipate a great amount of backlash from that. So why does a company that has that that has all of this um, in the way of knowledge and understanding their customer base, why do they produce that product and put it out and then lose billions of dollars? Okay, and then let's keep going. After that happens, not simultaneous, but afterwards, you have North Face, who, again, their products are aimed at very outdoorsy type people, right? Um, they know their they know their uh, their base, and here they come with again um, marketing and advertising that is very offensive um, and uh, drives a wedge between them and their customer base. Right before before that can even die down, you turn around and Target, um, who caters to um, uh, Middle America um, and um, largely conservative Middle America housewives, not just but a large large section of their customer base is exactly that, and. What does Target do? Uh, Target begins putting in their children's sections bathing suits 
for um, bathing suits that look like they're made for young girls, but they have um, sections built into them that are made to tuck male genitals um, away so that you can appear as a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's not that's not um, near as bad as it gets. They're selling a cloth uh, line of clothing again, much of it for children by a company called Parabolin, and the creator is. Um, is a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, and uh, congratulations he, on remembering all. Of I know that, it took. I, uh, it, it, I made up a song in my head to, <laughs> to help. Uh, so this guy creates this clothing line. He's a Satanist, mm-hmm. and he's got uh, buttons that, um, again, that are right there when you come in uh, for all the children to see. And you know, he creates a children's line. He's got the serial line. These buttons. Um, uh, let's see, here's a couple of examples. One of them has a, gui- a, gui- a guillotine on it, right? And it says homophobe headrest. All right, so that one's, that's clever, right? There's another one that says uh, Satan respects your pronouns. Um, that one that one's what, good. What's the clothing line? Parabolin is what it's called. And so Target partners with him, begins selling his clothing line, and of course, they've got all this stuff out in the very front of the store. Uh, people start coming in, and their customers revolt. And Target loses nine billion dollars in stock value in one week's time. Right? Okay. So these companies, if I'm correct, and these companies understood that there was going to be this kind of fallout, and these these companies are profit driven as are all corporations within our uh, capitalist uh, country, why would they do that? Why in the world would they do this and hurt their bottom line, hurt their shareholders and all of that? <clears throat> well, the answer is uh, has to do with that social credit score system that, that China has now employed. Because what has happened is now there are... ERG. All right. So again, why? Like, why does Target? Why does Target do that? Why does Bud Light do that? Well, here's why: because those companies, their main shareholder is a company called BlackRock, and BlackRock is owned by Larry Fink, and Larry Fink has already said that they are going to make all the companies that they have majority shares in, that they're going to make them adhere to these ERG scores. So they've got to release equity statements. Uh, They have to um, adhere to certain guidelines so that they can lower emissions for climate change kind of things. In other words, it's the entire woke agenda and you get points for everything you adhere to and you lose points for everything that you don't adhere to, right? And so the deal is this is even if you know you're going to lose $9 billion, but your largest shareholder essentially tells you do what we say or we're going to we'll, we'll pull uh, all, of our, you know, all of our shares, which essentially would, would destroy your stock, then you're beholden to them. Even if they only own 12%, but your next largest shareholder is something like a half a percent, they control your company. Yeah. And so what happens is they tell Bud Light to do this, and so Bud Light does it. They tell Target, they tell North Face, they tell all these companies, and why? Why do they do that? Because the only way that you can legitimize 
calling a boy a girl or vice versa. The only way that you can legitimize Satanism, the only way that you can do all of these things, the only way that you can that you can make this uh, legitimate in the minds of the public and the collective conscious is if it is being propagated by major companies, by major uh, figures that within Hollywood or, or elsewhere, and then those things become legitimate. But you think about it. If, if nobody was talking about trans stuff, nobody, who would be thinking about trans stuff? How much of America would be talking about it? Nobody. If, yeah, if no one was like, and, and even go further than that, think like if, if the media wasn't constantly talking about race, who would be thinking about race? We've had a black president, like every, everybody that has any intelligence or intellect knows that in this country, a black person has every, every, uh, every opportunity to succeed that you or I do. You know, uh, I can't tell you how many, how many people I've watched that they themselves are black and they are enraged by the suggestion that somehow they're not able to do what you and I can do. That that idea in itself is a racist idea in and of itself. That somehow, like for us to state that a black person is not able to accomplish what you and I are able to accomplish because of the color of their skin, that um, that in itself is is inherently it's a it's a racist statement. Yeah. So. And again, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not saying like racism isn't a thing. I mean, you know, I have a <clears throat> I have a black mother-in-law and a black sister-in-law and like I've seen how how you know racism can affect them and like how it still is a thing to this day but the thing like I, I get what you're trying to say like the thing about it is is like if it wasn't like a socially propagated idea you know that like you know, news outlets are like blowing things out of proportion, and then things do get like taking a minor thing, blowing it out of proportion, then things do get out of hand for real, and it creates this this thing that reverberates through the entire country that keeps this alive. Like. Again, we we, uh, we talked about this earlier about uh, it's it's a similar aspect as like um, again different things, but I think the same idea can be applied to uh, people of opposing um, political views. It's like we live in a day to day basis with people of, of political uh, opposing political views. We live on a day-to-day basis of people with different skin color. We live on a day-to-day basis with all these different people, all these different cultures. And it's like, I don't know, you know, I don't know about the majority of the people on here, but I respect, I respect people. And like, I, I'm nice to everybody and everybody gets along. The people that I work with, we have you know, there's some people that I wouldn't get along with politically, but on a day-to-day basis, it's not a thing until something like this comes up. And at that point, that's whenever, you know, it starts to become, I don't know, kind of losing No, I understand what track. you're saying. I mean, they have, they have direct access into our conscious mind. Yeah. And what, they've un- what they understand... 
though most of us don't understand it, is that when when they want to implant a driving thought into us, they they are able to do that yeah. with with uh, great with great levels of success. And so it goes that way, whether it's whether it's uh, Satan, whether it's um, a, an um, an agenda like the LGBTQIA plus agenda, or whether it's aliens, yeah. whatever it is, they're able they are able to to make us form the the thoughts and the opinions that they've predetermined, and they know that. Yeah, they know that fully. They and take so, thing that literally probably. I mean, what what percentage what percentage of the entire U.S. population is is actually like transgender? Do you know that off the top of your head? And it's something like less than it's 1%. less than a percent. Uh, yet you would think that you would it, think that it's a you know it is a a great number of yeah. of people. And it's it's not. And again, it's not saying that like. Exactly what I'm trying to say. Look, like, you realize up until five years ago, they've they've blown it into a thing, into a big thing that takes over every. I mean, we're talking about it right now. So apparently, they've had an effect on us about it that literally affects half a percent. Or, yeah, or even and you take people. and you can. And it's like you know, I I do gigs. And, uh, you know, I'm an audio engineer, so it's like I go out and I mix this stuff, and somebody will come up and complain and be like, congratulations, you're one person out of a thousand out here that are that's complaining about it. You know what? I'm not changing it for you if everybody else is happy. Like I had, I was, I was doing a wedding last, this two weekends ago, and this one table came up and complained, and it's like, it was the table that they set all the grandparents at. And they just happened to put the grandparents right in right front next of to the, like, speaker. the speaker. That's awesome. And it's like, they're the only ones that came up and complained. Like, hey, can we turn it down? And like, I'm not turning it down for you. Because then everybody else is going to complain that they can't hear. Yeah. <laughs> Man, the... If you look at... There's, there's videos on YouTube where they've gone to other other places outside of America and they present the issue of of what we call trans, transgenderism to these other people. I'm ta- I'm talking about like small villages, tribes, you know, mm-hmm. and uh what we might call third world countries and to watch their reactions to to the information that's being presented to them. They're just they're dumbfounded. Yeah. I mean absolutely because because that's what it is. You have to understand. Up until just a few years ago, we were calling this gender dysphoria here yeah. in America, like clinically. It was and it was widely accepted by by all of academia, by doctors. In other words, what we are legitimizing today was a mental illness yesterday, mm-hmm. and now we're being told. I mean, that I've I've talked to people who study that stuff, and they still have their textbooks. From whenever they right. graduated, just a few years ago, yeah, where it's still classified it as as that. And so now we're being told that if we if we do not affirm what we've always been aware is a mental illness, mm-hmm. then we are in danger danger of losing social status, meaning literally 
not just position within social groups, but losing your actual means of, of uh, livelihood. You know, people are out here losing their jobs. Educators losing their jobs because they they refuse to go along with the delusion and stand on truth instead. And that's where we are in this nation, where there there is no there is no truth. There's no truth left. And so what what happens once you get to that place is we've been now our minds once you're in, once you're at a place where there is there is no concrete truth. Everything is objective or subjective. We've become like some etch a sketch that just been shaken up and now they're free to to you know do a rewrite and write whatever they want and they're taking full advantage of it mm-hmm. now that they've spent the last couple of years shaking the the collective etch a sketch that are that is our minds now they are going about the business of rewriting the programming and in this programming uh, boys can be girls and girls can be boys um there are multiple dimensions. Aliens are coming. There's a, a threat from from outside. We better get ready. We we're gonna need a response. All of these things. And, and honestly, whenever you start to talk about it like that, you're like, "What kind of sci-fi movie is this?" But it's like, no, this is this is, this is real, real life nowadays. If you if if you here's here's a compelling a compelling thought exercise. If you were to think about going back in time. And telling telling yourself, telling the Will Horton of 2015 about the the world you inhabit in 2023. I'm just trying to think of what I was doing in 2015. I can tell you what you were doing in 2015. <laughs> we were we were one year out of Impact Camp, where I met you out in Linden Valley, Tennessee, and so you know you were Bud, you, you yeah. So you were in that you were in that phase of life. You were you were getting a business started, trying to wrap some cars. And uh, some different things like oh, that. Or, so, so here's the thing: think about that will, yeah. And then imagine 2023 will comes and says, "Hey, let me tell you about the world." You wouldn't believe it. If if you went back to 2015, and you were like, uh, "There's the, like the government has admitted that there's aliens. They've got the bodies. They've got crafts. Oh, um, now boys can be girls, girls can be boys, and everybody is is told that they have to go along with it. Like you're you're outside of the norm if you don't. Um, I mean, there uh, in, in the time that I'm the time that I'm coming to you from, um, there's been an illness, and everyone has been forced to get a to get a vaccine. They ended up letting up on it, but for a while, they told you that you were going to lose your entire life if you didn't do it. Like both literally and figuratively. <laughs> Uh, you know, so on and so forth. You wouldn't believe it. You absolutely would not believe that that this world was reality. We are living today's reality is yesterday's science fiction. And by the way, while you're at it, invest in Dogecoin and, and Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> right. But sell off, sell off whenever it hits fifty thousand dollars a coin, <laughs> or whatever it was. And then you got up to like forty eight. Anyways. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I'm trailing off and it's it's getting pretty it's getting pretty late. Stuff. But look, but the the point the point is, and I hope that that throughout our conversation that we've made it um, today, if if you if you do not have a biblical worldview, then the God of this world has uh, been successful in creating in you a malleable mind that is ready to receive whatever 
molding information he is about to feed you. And if you're thinking right now that that sounds crazy, that Satan is out here feeding people information over the airwaves, that is just further proof that you yourself do not possess a biblical worldview. For the Word of God says expressly and clearly that Satan is the prince of power and air. And where does our information come from if it doesn't come over uh, the airways to us? Uh, folks, you better, you, you better get prayed up and seek the Lord while there is still time. And um, I'll leave you with this. The Word of God uh, says that the one that seeks wisdom from the Lord, the one that goes to the Lord and, and says, Lord, I want you and you alone to inform my worldview. The Bible says that God will provide that wisdom in a generous fashion and without reproach. In other words, um, he's not going to guilt you, he's not going to shame you, and he's not going to condemn you for the ignorance that you have lived in uh, prior to, to your request um, to think differently. Think differently just means to repent. Um, God's not going to guilt you, shame you, or condemn you. What he is going to do is he's going to give you wisdom, and he will give you the understanding you need to go with that wisdom, and he will do that in a generous fashion. He will give you all the wisdom that your three-pound three brain can handle. Um, and one of my favorite sayings, uh, one that we used at the beginning of the show, is that we live in a world uh, right now that is drowning in knowledge. Simultaneously, we are starving for wisdom. We live in a time and an age where knowledge is more readily available to us than it has ever been in all of human history. And while we are swimming, uh, or rather drowning in that wealth of knowledge, um, we are desperately, desperately lacking in the area of wisdom. In other words, all of this knowledge has done no more to serve us um, than the most useless of endeavors. Uh, and while we have all that knowledge, we are starving for the wisdom to make sense of that knowledge. So um, here's a piece of wisdom that, that I will part with. Um, go to the God that created you. Go to Jesus and ask him to grant you um, a spiritual gift that is made available to every believer in Jesus Christ. That spiritual gift is called discernment. And discernment is um, is the God-given gift and ability to take information um, and as you receive it, to put it through this spiritual uh, filter called discernment. And on the other side of that comes wisdom. Um, you are able to go to Jesus Christ and ask him to help you make sense of everything that is happening around you. And our God is ever-present. He has promised Jesus has to never leave us, to never forsake us. Uh, the Word of God says that the one that decides to follow God in his or her heart, that the Lord himself orders our steps. If you've got a biblical worldview, you believe these things, you live on these things by faith, you thrive on these things. And if you do not have a biblical worldview, um, these things are pretty much meaningless to you. And if they are meaningless to you, yet you claim to know Jesus, um, my assertion to you would be that um, your beliefs are dangerously juxtaposed one to another. Um, and 
don't let me convince you of that, but go to the Word of God and go to Jesus and ask Him if those things might be true of yourself. Man, um, on behalf of myself and producer Will, we are... Uh, we are very, very grateful that you have chosen to spend this time with us. Um, we are going to continue uh, testing and refining our format, our material, and our approach to that material on the show. So we very much appreciate you being on this on this journey with us. Uh, stick with us. We believe it. It will very much be worth your time. And we hope that by um, spending that time with us that you will uh, come to possess, if you do not already possess, a biblical worldview. Um, God bless you. Thanks again. And we will see you next time.